Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It is Wednesday, October 5th, and this is People Every Day. Welcome to Wednesday, everyone. Janine Rubenstein at your service. I hope everyone recognizing Yom Kippur is having a spiritually enriching fast. Don't worry, we will not be talking food today. There is just so, so much to get into. I mean, have you guys seen the news out there today? It is littered with stories of messy divorces and breakups left and right. I mean, so much for comfy, cozy cuffing season, right? We get into the allegations lobbied against Brad Pitt from ex-wife Angelina Jolie. And while Tom Brady is known for his many championships, sadly, it sounds like now that Giselle has hired a divorce lawyer, he is very likely going to be down one ring. Plenty of deep dives coming your way. So let's just jump right in. Alec Baldwin has reached an undisclosed settlement with the family of Helena Hutchins. The settlement pertains to the wrongful death suit filed against the actor and others after the cinematographer was killed on the set of Rust. The suit, which was filed in February of this year, was against Baldwin and the film's production companies, producers, and other key members of the crew. A lawyer for Baldwin released a statement saying, quote, Throughout this difficult process, everyone has maintained the specific desire to do what is best for Helena's son. We are grateful to everyone who contributed to the resolution of this tragic and painful situation. While we don't know the terms of the settlement, one thing we do know, the show is going on. That's right, the film is set to resume filming early next year with all principal players, including Baldwin and director Joel Souza, who was also injured in the deadly on-set incident. Matthew Hutchins, Helena Hutchins' widow, will be an executive producer on the film and receive a portion of the profits. Hutchins released a statement earlier today, which read in part, We have reached a settlement subject to court approval for our wrong death case against the producers of Rust, including Alec Baldwin and Rust Movie Productions, LLC. As part of that settlement, our case will be dismissed. The statement then addressed the accident that led to Helena Hutchins' tragic death saying, quote, I have no interest in engaging in recriminations or attribution of blame to the producers or Mr. Baldwin. All of us believe Helena's death was a terrible accident. I am grateful that the producers and the entertainment community have come together to pay tribute to Helena's final work. I hope that this provides some solace for the Hutchins family, and I'm sure all eyes will be on this film as it resumes production and makes its way to the silver screen. Ye, best known as Kanye West, sparked some controversy at Paris Fashion Week this week. The 808s and Heartbreaks rapper was spotted wearing a long-sleeve black tee with the phrase White Lives Matter emblazoned across the back during his Yeezy Season 9 event. The rapper and designer wore the shirt while giving a speech during the opening presentation. Ye was also seen wearing it in an image uploaded to Twitter by conservative commentator Candace Owens, who wore the same shirt, but in white, to the show. 
For context, the phrase white lives matter, as seen on Kanye's shirt, is described by the Anti-Defamation League as a, quote, white supremacist phrase. It's a slogan that originated in 2015 following the start of the Black Lives Matter movement, which began in response to the killings of unarmed black men and women throughout the country. As the organization details on its website, members of the Aryan Renaissance Society and other white supremacists have promoted the slogan. And by 2016, the Ku Klux Klan was doing the same. Following the Yeezy presentation, Vogue fashion editor Gabriella Karifa Johnson shared her thoughts on Kanye's use of the slogan. In her Instagram stories, she posted screenshots of messages she'd shared with friends, criticizing Ye's decision. In response, the Grammy Award winner made a series of derogatory social media posts directed at Karifa Johnson that have since been deleted, but not before catching the ire of others in the fashion industry. Model and March 2021 Vogue cover star Gigi Hadid called called out Kanye's behavior and defended the longtime Vogue editor, saying, you wish you had a percentage of her intellect. You have no idea. Ha ha. If there's actually a point to any of your ish, she might be the only person that could save you, as if the honor of being invited to your show should keep someone from giving their opinion. LOL. You're a bully and a joke. Ye is no stranger to controversy or riling up fans and trolls alike with his sartorial choices. His beloved red MAGA hat made similar headlines. Uh, There's a lot of discourse going on online about his latest spectacle, and we'll have to wait and see if he speaks out about his motivations. Though I have to say, when I try to understand a lot of the stuff Ye does lately, I can't help but stop myself and just think about, I don't even know what that means. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. No, it's not. It's Get the people going. And now this. Yesterday afternoon, our reporting confirmed that after months of growing tension, supermodel Giselle Bündchen has hired a divorce lawyer. It now seems like this is the beginning of the end of her marriage to her Super Bowl-winning husband. I don't know, y'all. This fall is starting to feel like love is in a blender. This week, several couples seem to be calling it quits. Tia Mowry announced yesterday that she and her husband, Corey Hardrick, would be going their separate ways after 14 years of marriage. Singer Miguel and his wife, Nazanin Mandi, are also getting divorced three years into their marriage. And now, Giselle Bunchen has hired a divorce lawyer in the midst of marriage woes with her husband, Tom Brady. And Angelina Jolie has filed a countersuit against her ex-husband, Brad Pitt. That's still happening. That includes some heartbreaking details that allegedly led up to her filing for divorce originally back in 2016. Well, joining me now to discuss how love is just falling apart is People's Executive Editorial Director, Charlotte Triggs. Hey, Charlotte, welcome back. Hey, Janine, how's it going? It's good. It's sad, though. Let's start with Giselle and Tom. What details do we have? Well, okay, so hot off the presses, Tom has a lawyer, too, now. And so she does, in fact, have a divorce attorney. I mean, we know from talking to sources over the course of this, which has been like low simmering since early August when he missed practice for like 11 days. We started being like, what is going on here? And then realized that he and his wife were not in the same place. We heard from sources that she was, in fact, mad at him. They'd had a big fight and were on the outs. And then when she started not turning up at his games, it was like, okay, 
something's very much happening. His children went to the game, his mom, his sister, not her. It was very mm. obvious that like there's trouble. It's like a light switch went off because all year they were sending each other all the typical social media messages right on schedule, Mother's Day, Father's Day, each of their birthdays, which takes us up to August 3rd. His birthday was August 3rd. She sends him a lovey-dovey message. And then something must have happened between August 3rd and August 11th. Something went down because they're very much on the outs. All signals point to, like, this divorce is going to happen. So, Charlotte, what do you think? Could there be a chance of them working things out? What have we heard? So we do know that they came very close to breaking up at least once before. In 2015, you may remember that was the year of deflate gate. Tampering with the ball. And- you know, it really, like, hit his reputation as, like, a clean-cut, like, all-American hero really hard. And he was having a very hard time. You may imagine if your husband is obsessed with like a work problem to the point of like maybe going a little crazy, it must not be very fun to be married that year. They they did take a break from one another. And she later wrote about it in her memoir, actually, and said that she wrote her husband a letter saying, this is what I need out of our marriage. And if you can't do it, we're done. He actually, in subsequent interviews, reflected on this too and said that he did have to change. And he had to be more present for her and he had to be more there for the family. We know that she doesn't like hearing this stuff about like, oh, it's about football, like, because it paints her as like a naggy wife or whatever. But like, he's 45. I mean, like, that's way beyond the age that one would naturally expect their husband, the the professional football, to be retiring. Those guys retire in their 30s just because of how grueling that sport is, how taxing it is on your body, but also your family. And she very much feels like she has been a good wife. Like, she was at the top of her modeling career when they first got together. She moved to Boston, which is not exactly the center of the fashion industry. I mean, it's not far from New York. (laughs) And she had her children, like, during all of this, like, largely, she feels like largely, like, you know, did a lot of the the heavy lifting at home on her own, you know, people around him defend him and say, how many husbands do you know that get six whole months off the year, don't have anything else to do and can be there for their family and just Mm -hmm. move off for six months? I mean, you got me. That's a pretty good point. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, knowing him, he's figuring out how to train in between then. Like, He doesn't even need any strawberries. I mean, like just the diet (laughs) alone would be probably enough to kill any normal couple, right? I hope they work it out. But let's switch over to some other drama out there. Terrible details that emerged from Angelina's filing yesterday that allegedly led up to her filing for divorce back in 2016. So what more can you tell me about this countersuit that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is still tangled up in their wine debacle? Yes, this is all about the Miraval Rosé. And I got to say, they are both channeling their individual rage and their frustrations over the like custody proceedings and all the difficulties that they've had into the battle for control of this rosé company. Oh my god. And it's so obvious because these filings are getting increasingly like like vicious and bringing in stuff that to my non-legally trained eye has marginally anything to do with the actual ownership of the rosé company. So she basically sold off her shares to a company owned by a Russian oligarch and the guy's trying to do like a hostile takeover of the whole company and force Brad out, most likely. That is probably like, that sets the stage for why there's this contention and why they're squabbling over what percentage she really owned or didn't own or if she had the right to sell it. But cut to the chase, in the filing, she included details that we've never heard before about what happened on the big airplane fight in 2016. Yeah. Well, for divorce five days later. 
Now, we a few months ago saw the FBI report, which included interviews that the FBI and law enforcement had done with Angelina. They collected all the details about like a physical fight that had broken out on the plane involved the children. We didn't know that which children. In this complaint, Angelina is alleging that Brad choked one kid and hit another kid in the face. And that in the course of like trying to defend the children, she kind of grabbed him. He threw her backwards, which this was also in the FBI report, causing her to be injured. And that the children all kind of had to band together to defend each other, one another and their mother from him during this violent outburst. Now, a lot of this lines up with what what was in the FBI report, but um, the choking and the hitting are new. And his side is denying this. And a source close to Brad is saying that she is actually going back in and filling in details that, that they say did not happen. Wow. We should obviously note that it's like Brad has admitted to behaving very poorly on this plane ride. And they have discussed the fact that it's had a lot to do with drinking too much and being intoxicated. He's talked about being sober and how that was very important to him to, you know, be able to kind of move on and be accountable and also try to repair the relationship with his children. The big point that everybody's always made on his side all along is that the FBI and law enforcement investigated this and chose not to charge him. Mm. And over the course of the custody battle, all of this information was introduced. And so to bring it up again now is literally intended for no purpose but to harm him. Wow, Charlotte, thank you for taking me into all of this drama. Oh, my pleasure, Janine. Thanks so much. Coming up, we are joined by Felicia LeBounty, a California woman who was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer eight months after she was twice denied a mammogram due to her young age and family history. She shares her harrowing experience with us, how the health system failed her, and opens up about the need for young women and girls to better understand their bodies. But right after the break, we take you behind the scenes with our interview with Grammy winner Winona Judd and hear how her life has changed since her mother's passing. We'll be right back. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's 
It's been five months since singing superstar Naomi Judd died, and the country music community will never be the same. While her fans and friends are still celebrating her amazing life and career, her famous daughter, Winona, who released 14 number one singles, has 20 million sold albums under her belt, and six Grammys, is currently on an 11-city tour, The Judd's The Final Tour, that kicked off last month and runs through October 29th. And in this week's issue, out on Stands Friday, Winona is shining a light on the inseparable bond she shared with her mom and the role mental illness played in their lives. And I am here now with People's Executive Editor, Jeremy Helliger, as he takes me into the top moments from Winona's cover story. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Hey, Janine. Well, Winona is just showing a more personal side these days. And and in the issue, she opens up like never before on the intimate memories of her mom. So I remember when news broke of Naomi's death, which was eventually ruled a suicide and everyone just felt so sad. What did Winona say about that moment when she got the news about her mom's death? It was obviously a devastating experience, but even five months later, Winona sounds like she's still processing everything. She talked about how there are moments when she feels joy. There are moments when she feels sorrow. There are moments when she feels the Lord. She doesn't think she'll ever really understand exactly what happened, but she feels that her mom was just in so much pain that she didn't know how to go on. She also talked about their mother-daughter duo as performers and, and how their differences allowed them to become just this perfect match. So how else were they just complete opposites? <laughs> well, they were only 17 years apart in age. So a lot of people would often mistake Naomi and Winona for sisters. And her mother was really an extrovert. She was very feminine and very pretty and very stylish. And Winona is more of a salt of the earth kind of person, a tomboy. And I think that that created a certain kind of clash between them at times. But at the same time, I think that powered their music and made their harmonies even stronger. Well, although Naomi is no longer here, of course, Winona says she still feels her presence and gets reminders of her. Yeah, she went to visit her mom's house recently, and she opens the closet and she finds a pair of shiny, sparkly boots. And her mom had tiny feet, so obviously a regular pair of her mom's shoes wouldn't fit Winona, but Winona tried these shoes on and they fit her. So it's almost like a gift from the great beyond from her mother to Winona. Uh, Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on. And everyone, remember, you can read more about Winona Judd's exclusive on our website now and on newsstands this Friday. In honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we at People are highlighting an incredible story of perseverance from someone who was misdiagnosed. Felicia LeBounty was a 30-year-old woman who loved modeling and the outdoors, but in 2018, she noticed a lump in her left breast that caused her to seek medical attention. What then ensued was something she didn't expect, a fight 
to be heard. Well, Felicia, now 35, is here with me now to discuss her healthcare journey and and why she believes people should advocate for themselves in all situations, especially in the doctor's office. Hi, Felicia. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming and sharing your story. So after feeling the lump, you asked for a mammogram, but was denied. So take me into that moment and just knowing something wasn't right. It was really, really hard to swallow that I was being told, literally because of my age and no family history, that I didn't have a right to further testing. They had me convince myself that everything was okay. My blood work was okay. It's just a cyst. Don't worry about it. Come back if it bothers you. And in those moments, I was really like talking myself out of it. Like, no, you did what you're supposed to do. You you felt something. You said something. Like, Why would I not believe them? I had never experienced medical gaslighting or misdiagnosis ever in my life. I was kind of numb. I was like, okay, well, if anything, you know, gets worse, I'll go back. Unfortunately, things did get worse. So when you first heard the words breast cancer, what thoughts came to your mind? So when I went back a few months later, they all of a sudden were doing emergency mammograms, ultrasound, biopsies, PET scans, MRIs. And when the first tech was going in and out of the room with the first mammogram that I was allowed to have, I knew it was something bad. And when I went back in, the doctor at the clinic had the word breast cancer written on a referral to the breast cancer center. And it literally said breast cancer highlighted. You need to go to the breast cancer center. It's definitely cancer. We just don't know anything more than that right now. And I was kind of just like in this dazed shock driving to the breast cancer center. Like how all of a sudden do I have cancer? Why all of a sudden are you allowing me to have all this testing? Now that I look back, it was really traumatizing. And so I never really got to process those moments because as soon as I went to the breast cancer center, it was multiple doctor visits a day, multiple biopsies, scans. I actually ended up in the ER because I was having such bad panic attacks late at night. And that's actually how I found out that I had cancer in my lungs. My team hadn't called me yet. And I told my boyfriend, I said, I don't know what's going on. And the doctor comes in very confident. And he was like, oh, yeah, you can't breathe because of all the tumors in your lungs, in both lungs. And I just remember my head falling in my hands and just sobbed. And my boyfriend looked at him and said, we didn't know that yet. And that's how I knew that I had a higher stage cancer. And I found out via phone call that I had stage four. I'm not an oddball for not having insurance. There's millions of Americans that don't have insurance that fall into that weird gap where your work doesn't offer it, but you can't afford private because you didn't really need insurance. I couldn't afford Obamacare, but I was denied government assisted until I had cancer. Just the treatment that I had with being in that category was just so unacceptable. So you started undergoing chemo and had your fallopian tubes and ovaries removed as a preventative measure for family planning in the future with your boyfriend, Brent. And I know he's been by your side. You mentioned him a bunch this entire time. How has that bond forged even more during this time? When it first started, I kind of had a conversation with him. kind of joked with him in the beginning. I was like, are you going to leave me if it's cancer? And he's like, no. And then when it was cancer... I was like, you don't have to stay. We're not married. We don't have children. We are not living together. I don't know what this is going to do. The week before I had to tell his family we were starting chemo, we had just lost his cousin to pancreatic cancer and trying so hard not to cry. And sitting in the funeral for his cousin, knowing that I had cancer and I had to tell his family who's grieving this loss, I was just like, you guys don't have to do this with me. And he was like, I'm not going anywhere. And he has just kept our life so active and 
definitely never let me have a moment of I'm going to lay down and die. And he just takes me on little staycations after every scan. And I wasn't concentrating on the cancer. I was excited for our next adventure. I love to hear that. Well, your latest signs show no active cancer. Thank God. You said you were once just really angry as well. So looking back, do you still have feelings of anger? And how did you move through that? I had to let it go because I was really angry with myself. I'm like, why didn't I do more? I'm not a dumb person. I'm very loud and very persistent and things. And why was I so complacent with them when they told me it was nothing? Like you could have fought harder, you know, going through this and sharing, I've just found more stories of women in very similar situations. And unfortunately we all learn about these situations in the midst of our journey. And the anger comes from like, why are women so suppressed when it comes to healthcare? Why don't we know about the suppression until we're in it? Like we're not taught in, in middle school sex ed, like you have to feel yourself. You need to tell when something's wrong. You should feel yourself on the first of every month. So it's consistent. You know, we're not educated that way. Uh, well, lastly, how are you feeling today? It's just been hard learning. My body doesn't recover as quickly. Things are a lot harder for me. I have to be a lot more careful. Like I've had to check in with my doctors to make sure I don't get pneumonia because I am immune compromised. It's frustrating because I, I don't look sick. I have to remind myself in the mirror, like, yes, you don't look like a cancer patient, but you are one and it's okay to take a break. It's okay to have a bad day. And same with mental health. Like I have fantastic days. Today is a great day. I'm super excited to be talking to you guys. And it's been really hard to deal with the roller coaster of emotions because tomorrow may not yeah. be a good day. Something may trigger me or I may not feel good or I may feel something that's nothing. And and then my mental health is just in the garbage. So it's a constant learning process and journey to uphold my mental and physical health. But I am so grateful for every day. I very cliche, like I'm happy to wake up and make a pot of coffee, you know, because there was a time that I didn't know if that would happen. Every day there's something new stacked onto my reasons to keep fighting. And I'm just so thankful for all these opportunities and I'm just living life. Ah, oh, Felicia, your story, it means so much to hear you say it. Just thank you so much for, for sharing this. Everyone, go get your checkups and second opinions. And you can read about Felicia's story on our website now. Yay, thank you guys. I appreciate you. If someone you know is battling breast cancer and has a story similar to Felicia's, visit metaviver.org. Metaviver regularly launches public awareness and advocacy programs and campaigns to increase understanding about metastatic breast cancer to help increase funding for research focused on the already metastasized patient and to advocate for improved benefits and treatments for patients living with MBC. Well, after hearing Felicia's story, we thought we'd end today's show on a story highlighting something incredibly positive happening in the medical field. Do you guys remember the ice bucket challenge from 2014? You know, where everyone was dumping buckets of ice cold water on their heads to raise money for ALS research? The disease, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease, is a progressive nervous system disease that affects nerve cells in the brain and spinal cord, causing loss of muscle control. Well, after raising more than $100 million 
dollars for ALS research funding, it sounds like all of those viral chili challenges may have paid off. Just last week, the FDA approved a new experimental treatment for ALS, which was funded in part by a grant from the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. The treatment is centered around a new drug that may extend the lives of ALS patients for five to six months, if not longer. There is some pushback on the drug as its efficacy is based on a single study that only included 137 patients. But with the recent approval from this new drug and others like it for further use, more trials and more data are on the horizon. Now, this is not being touted as an ALS cure. ALS is a very complicated disease that modern medicine is tackling, but hopefully this is a step in the right direction and a little something to make you smile. Well, that is our show for today. Thanks for listening to us once again, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow on People Every Day. 